Episode 133 of Tag's podcast is sponsored by BlueChew.com. It's the holiday season, boys, so deck your balls and give a package he wants this season, hard and ready. Your first order is free. Go to BlueChew.com and use our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S. What's going on? You are listening to Tag's podcast, a.k.a. Talk About Gay Sex. I'm your host, Steve Rodriguez, and this is episode 133. Very excited. Happy holidays. A little bit later, you'll be hearing my conversation with Bruce K. Beck, the author who's been on our show before. He has a trilogy of books, and we're doing a giveaway with two of the books, and I'll tell you about that in just a hot sec. But Letting you know that this Saturday, December 14th, we're recording our holiday broadcast here in New York City. So if you're going to be around here in New York, stop by and say hi at Barba Hair Salon, 235 West 19th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue in the Chelsea neighborhood at 2 p.m. From 2 to 3, come and say hi. We'll have some swag for you. We're going to be talking about all good things, barbershop and sex and have some swag like i said have a beer with us some wine we'll have protein bakery treats from my co-host lincoln say hi to jeremy ross lopez my other co-host and bff and meet my barber and get a free consultation and we're going to be talking about the latest trends in keeping our grooming up to snuff we're going to be talking about masculinity and a whole lot of other things. Like I said, it is this Saturday, December 14th at 2 p.m. at Barbara Harris Salon in the Chelsea neighborhood. If you can't make it, it you can hear it uh, next Tuesday, so no worries on that. Like I said, my guest today is Bruce K. Beck. He wrote a current uh, trilogy of books. The first two are out, Ink Obsessed, and opera obsessed i read opera obsessed and i really it's a page turner let me tell you really great stuff and love obsessed will be out in the spring but the first two books we're doing a free giveaway right now all you got to do is email me steve at talkaboutgaysex.com and in the subject line put obsessed and you will be entered into our giveaway for the first two books ink and opera obsessed pick a winner on december 17th and send it off that week well let's get into my conversation with bruce k beck well i couldn't be more excited to have my guest he's been on the show before he's an author for the gay community and an author in general. He is a cookbook author. His books before, You're Sure to Fall in Love, Love in the Epidemic, and Love Endures is what we talked about on last time. Bruce Beck, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for coming back. Happy holidays. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. And to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you... um, First of all, congratulations. You have a new trilogy of books coming out. Two of the trilogy, two of the books in the new trilogy are out and people can get them. And I think they make a great Christmas gift to friends and family. Steve, what a good idea. Yes, we're going to be giving away one of the books, and I'll tell you a little bit more on how you can win uh, one of the books in the series. The the series that we're talking about is an obsessed series, and I want Mm -hmm. to talk about the word obsessed. 
Um, but we're talking about ink obsessed and opera obsessed. I read uh, opera. And number three is uh, love obsessed. Ooh, I love it. I want to get into that, but you are currently in a theme here on Tag's podcast of guests that, in my opinion, are really forging us ahead with your content that you're creating. So in your case, obviously, you're an author and you're writing about gay men and the gay men experience in a fictional uh, manner. And, I, and your books are very page turners. I love all of the ones oh, I've read. Thank you. I, I thank can't you. recommend them highly enough. Um, I had Sebastian Lacaz last week that is uh, really pushing the boundaries in film for our community and, mm-hmm. t- and continuing our conversation. Uh, I had another guy, Paul Sando, who's creating an app for really uh, that will ultimately keep us safe, not only through STIs, but physically from potential dangers mm-hmm. and people that could have criminal records. In your case, writing, let's just talk, before we get into the books, can you just talk to me a little bit about when you decided to write stories about gay men and our community and why that's important to you? Well, I've I've told myself that I was always a writer, and yet um, I remember from a high school English class I wrote a very bad uh, story. (laughs) Um, But I I hope my my food writing is uh, respectable. I, I, I think it is. Um, We should mention that you have uh, been written up several times for your cookbooks, correct? I did two. I did two big uh, food books uh, in the uh, '80s, actually, both of them. And um, then I didn't. I didn't write much, except I mean, I've I've written thousands of recipes, and and uh, I've had a couple of food blogs in recent years, and written lots of things for those. Um, but I wanted to write about Provincetown and the summer of 76. And so I thought, well, I don't know, is this a memoir? And then I thought, well, no, I, I want to be free to create a story. And uh, because I think memoir has to be really true to life, and I think it has to be factual. So I didn't want to You were talking that. about your first book in that series I just mentioned. You're sure to You're fall, sure in, to fall love. in love. Yeah. Right. So um, it took me a while to figure out how to write fiction because I had never done it before. And so I, you know, poured over all these podcasts and online, you know, things to try to figure out how to do it. And I, I hope I'm onto something. I hope so. You're definitely doing it. The books Thank keep you. coming. You write very quickly. And I like how you do these trilogies, or at least in the case of the first trilogy I mentioned and the current mm-hmm. one, the Obsessed trilogy. What is it about a, a trilogy that keeps you wanting to write in well, that manner? For the first one, it, it really did, um, although there were tons of fictional characters and lots of you know made-up, uh, imagined uh, uh, stuff happening. Um, it followed uh, in the three books. It followed the arc of my relationship with my ex. You know, Got starting it. with the summer of '76, ending in '92 and three, and so. Um, and tapping into historical events, obviously the oh, yeah. '70s. In that first book, you really get an idea of well, what and, life was like. So the 
second book was in uh, 1986, and so it was called Love and the Epidemic. I right. didn't, I, I didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't want to write that. Sure. But um, I did. You know, I, I went there. And, uh, I could imagine that you've had many friends die from the epidemic, mm-hmm. just to f- focus on that one book, and why that could be hard to write about that period. Did many of your friends you may have lost or who had been struck by the epidemic make their way into the book, and did you ever find it sort of an homage to oh, some of those absolutely. people? absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, it had to honor uh, the victims. It had to. And uh, I tried my best, I hope I did, to uh, honor them. Um, Some of it was uh, really quite painful, and some of it was just exciting because, uh, you know, creating characters and making situations happen is always exciting for me as a writer. So uh, it was a whole combination of things. And then... Going back just real quick before we get into the books, you know, you're writing these for years and years and years uh, about food Mm -hmm. and recipes, and you decide you want to write. What was it about, you said P-Town was inspiration, but was there another conscious effort in you that wanted to write about gay men and the gay men experience through fun fictional Hmm. storytelling and that was a little bit more liberating for you? I don't know. I don't know, Steve. Um, it, the, uh, the first book, uh, You're Sure to Fall in Love, as I said, I decided needed to be fiction rather than a memoir. And once I started doing it, I just fell in love with it. And, oh, oh you were asking about um, trilogies. So the first one... Oh, well, the only reason... I did that was because I learned online that readers like series. If they've, you know, if they read a book they like, they want more. So I thought, oh, all right, I could make this a trilogy. I could make this story into three books. And it's so cool yeah. because that's how life often works. We have mm-hmm. periods in time when we're, say, in a relationship, and then we have other periods when we're moving on into career, yep. but life is happening, paralleling mm-hmm. the experiences. Also, we have an ADD, in attention deficit disorder, <laughs> and we certainly love to binge watch shows with the cliffhanger. So I can see where you would choose this. And again... Your, your books are page turners, and they're oh, really fun you. to throw in a bag and run off either during the summer <laughs> or on a vacation, and I love them. Good. But let's get into the current one, uh, which uh, is Ink Obsessed and Opera Obsessed, and the new one that's going to be coming out right. uh, in 2020, Love Obsessed. And I just want to talk a little bit about the word obsessed <laughs> and where you came up with that word, because as gay men, or I'm just going to speak for myself when you don't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of examples to look up to in the gay community. Mm-hmm. And I certainly was told to put my emotions for other men aside. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of lust going on in me that uh-huh. still exists today, mm-hmm. I might add. Um, and that word obsessed can sometimes be associated with the gay experience, partly, I think, because we've been told not to feel these feelings that we have. Um, do you yourself, what, why did you choose the word obsessed, and have you been <laughs> obsessed 
with guys. I think, uh, well, I think uh, obsession is a, uh, is a, uh, you know, a, a natural uh, part of uh, life, uh, certainly gay life. Um, I started the first one, Ink Obsessed, the tattoo story. I started that as volume two of my Tolerance trilogy. And because, you know, there, there are some uh, ethnic characters. and what, So I thought that's where that was going. And I realized, I realized really early on that that was not what it was about. It was about obsession. So uh, that's, when I, that's when I thought, oh, okay, an obsession trilogy. And I'm yes. just going to read the prologue that to get readers interested in. Oh, okay. and, um, I'm just I took it off of Amazon, so <laughs> it's what they wrote there. A large, beautiful tattoo piques the narrator, narrator's interest one day at the gym, and then he realizes the tattoo is but one feature of the young man who wears it. He decides the rest is even better. Clement Tyler is 42 when readers first meet him, and the object of his obsession, Dominic, is in his early 20s and most likely straight. Clem is comfortably affluent, self-employed businessman with a broken heart. Dom is a mysterious kid with a past and lots of secrets. Will they forge a relationship? Ink obsessed, and they write, uh, it's the first volume of... Bruce K. Beck's Obsession Trilogy. It follows Clem and Dom and Clem's friends and relations as they try to build an unlikely bond. Nothing is easy. Every moment of simple pleasure is brought suspenseful, but it's also tender, funny, intensely erotic, and deeply invested in the emotional lives of the characters as they search for what will make them whole. Wow. I know, and I, I did start reading oh, this one, and I'm going to finish like, it. You like my writing. I do like oh, your writing. I also <laughs> like your sex scenes that I want to talk about in in a minute and how you write them. Okay. Um, so, yeah, in this one, you know, you talked earlier about you're sure to fall in love and how you went mm -hmm. to P-Town and how some of it was based on your own autobiographical life, although you in created new characters and... And right. I know a lot of your newer books have been, the fun has been, you've told us, creating these characters. Anything about Ink Obsessed or this obsessive uh, trilogy that was inspired by your own life? Uh, well, other than um, seeing beautiful tattoos at the gym. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know where inspiration comes from. And I try not to examine it too closely. I don't think it's rational. Um, I just, stories, you know, characters, uh, I think we talked about this before, characters just appear in my head and they start talking to me. And then I take dictation as fast as I can. And, and that's how, you know. Now, of course, there's technical stuff that has to happen too. Indie publishing mentor, uh, uh, Joanna Penn, at thecreativepen.com. She calls herself a discovery writer, which is, is her new version of uh, what used to be called a pantser. That's uh, flying by the seat of your pants. And so <laughs> plotters and pantsers. I love it. Are the, you know, it's supposed to be the two schools of writing. Um, I think I'm more of a discovery writer, too. Uh, I, I just um, do what these characters tell me. 
It also seems like you get inspiration by living, too. And I know oh, you yeah. travel, and, mm-hmm. you know, certainly there's an early scene when I was uh, started Ink Obsessed where I think many guys can relate to. It's the main character, Clement. Is it Clement? Mm-hmm. Clement. Clement. Well, Clem. You can call him Clem. Clem. I'm going to call him Clem. Friends do. Okay. Where he's in the gym, in the locker room, and uh-huh. he sees this guy the, who ultimately is the tattoo guy mm. in the gym, and now he sees him in the locker room. Mm. And the guy, Dominic, is undressing to take a shower. Uh. And you write something that I can totally relate to where so many guys are quickly take off their shorts and put that towel around their waist because we're worried that we don't want anybody to see our, no, our they, dicks or anything. They and, change under their towels. Oh, right, change under their towels. What <laughs> you and I've done that myself before, and, and I've had newer times mm. in my newer experiences where I'm like, no, let me just take all my clothes off, and who cares? And and you write this character did that, and it was so refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Well. Um, Actually, I read something about it recently. Uh, when I started going back to the gym um, five years ago or something, I saw all this strange modesty. And I didn't remember that from the 90s when I was a gym rat. It just, I thought, well, what is that? That's so odd. I read something about it recently uh, in the uh, Gay and Lesbian Review. It's a wonderful uh, quarterly magazine. It comes out of Boston. You should watch for Yeah, that. definitely. I read something in their newsletter. Uh, it was a, an excerpt from an article where this guy said it had something. He, you know, commented on that phenomenon and said it has something to do with the um, visibility of gay men these days. And so his concept was, you know, straight men... <laughs> Uh, at the gym now know that they're that we're everywhere right and we may be watching i get it so So. that could affect the way the whole towel Uh thing you know what that's a great point because you just mentioned the 90s and the gym days Mm -hmm. and i remember in the 90s in san francisco there was almost gay gyms if you will oh sure you know in every city they had even if or predominantly gay gyms they Mm -hmm. certainly weren't putting that on the on the banner outside but you i went to a gym world gym and then there was a competing gym gold's gym in san francisco right and it was predominantly gay men and the muscle types and the, you know, guys wore short shorts and their junk was showing mm-hmm. and it was a totally different. Now, as like the article is stating, we don't have to go to necessarily gay gyms anymore. In fact, one would argue that there aren't really establishments like that anymore. We're all kind of integrated in a lot more. And I could see mm. what, where that would be. Yeah, we're all integrated. Who's gay? Who's not? And... It, it's kind of fun, though, too, because you never really know, and that's what you write a little bit. In. Well, he, uh, this writer, and I, I should know his name, but I don't, um, he said that um, there used to be an atmosphere of casual nudity in gyms. Correct. And now there isn't. Right, 
Right. And so that was his explanation. Although, for, peek around a little bit in the steam rooms <laughs> and you might see a little bit of action going on. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the other book that came out that's in the Obsession Obsessed series is Opera Obsessed. And I did read that one and I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, good. Thank um, you. I'm just going to read that. Um, when narrator Julian Harcourt, I'm saying his name right, am I? Mm-hmm. Yes. You are. Uh, on his way to the Met Opera is knocked down by a taxi in front of Lincoln Center. He has no expectation that a handsome young man, a tenor, will help him up. But Stuart Chrysler happens to be right there, and then they both have to decide if a friendship will follow. Will Julian be swept off his feet figuratively this time, or does the universe have quite different plans? Julian is living a good life, isn't he? He has a career and an apartment he adores. He has loving relationships. Christina Grimaldi and Rebecca Cart. Uh, Cathcart are not just fine singers, but devoted friends. Julian also has pretty much all the sex he can handle, and then he meets Michael Fernandez, and then everything begins to change. Opera Obsessed is about coming to terms with the past and facing the realities of the present. Julian must work his way through the most painful losses of his childhood and his youth in order to find a path to the future. Readers will find his stormy story warm, funny, erotic, moving, and richly satisfying. And I did. I really did enjoy oh, good. it. Good. You have us Thanks, at one Steve. point in Prague. Um, yes. The other thing I want to talk about, there's a common theme, at least the books that I've read, mm. in addition to great, well-developed characters and great sex scenes, which I want to talk about in a minute. Please. But you have, almost like Sex in the City, New York is such a love, I'm sure, for yourself, mm. and it makes its way into many of your books, as did P-Town. Uh, in this one, I felt... There was such a love affair of New York City. And if anyone knows New York, it was very fun to read the various spots that I I know. Uh-huh. The other thing, obviously, being a, a food writer, is food has such an integral part in so many of your books. And being a foodie myself, I like how you weave that through. Um, was Were both of those conscious efforts to make some of these characters food and, say, in this case, New York City? Oh, absolutely. Um uh, I've lived in New York since 1975, and I really can't imagine living anywhere else. And uh, I've tried to make it a character in my stories. Uh, the uh, the obsession, uh, actually, both of the narrators in uh, the first two ob- obsession books um, live on the Upper East Side, and uh, you know they eat out and they go you know and they go all to all sorts of different places. Oh, the new one <laughs> for uh, Love Obsessed, the one that'll come out in the winter. Um, the narrator lives on Central Park West. Oh, there you go. So now, you know, I'm on the west side and, and Central Park a lot. And it, it's just, uh, well, I just love the city. and uh, It makes for fun reading because, good. like I said, you create really great, well-developed characters but there's certainly an exploratory side to yourself, I can tell. Uh-huh. Even when uh, Julian makes his way to Prague, he meets up with a beautiful, handsome waiter that offers to show him around the city. And mm-hmm. there's a side of many of your characters, I noticed, that are explorers. And if they don't know a city or a food, they're, they're willing to try... And uh, they're certainly open to meeting new people, if it's sexual, great, or a new relationship. But 
is that a sign of yourself that comes you bring into your books? Well, I of, hope of so. Very, <laughs> I hope so. There must be, yeah, because yeah. I notice it in a lot of your writing, and and I think anybody that's trying to explore life and and meet new people, whether it's romantic or not, um, it's fun to read. So, well, I fall in love with uh, all my characters, but um, I love uh, characters and people who. Uh, who have a lust for life who, and who uh, love to eat. Uh, I, I've said uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't possibly uh, uh, be in love with a man who didn't have a good appetite. I think it's a prerequisite. <laughs> I agree. So let's talk a little bit about um, the sex that you write <laughs> in your books. Uh, certainly an opera-obsessed Julian, as I just read, is no shortage of, of meeting hot guys there's one right. scene you write which is a three-way um with mm. uh, um that's after the hookup on the six train yes exactly <laughs> right oh the hookup scene you wrote was very hot and i found myself you know i don't know that i've read or maybe there's just i'm sure i'm gonna get a lot of people writing in to read this book and that book <laughs> i personally haven't read a lot of gay fiction to know what reading an erotic scene is in a, in you know not a porn setting, not any right. of that exactly, and I just haven't been exposed to that much. So reading a narrative or a a fictional story mm-hmm. and knowing how gays connect, whether it's on the six train <laughs> and meeting somebody, inviting somebody back to your apartment and sharing a meal together. You write very vividly on how we often meet up. Interestingly enough, you don't use the apps, or at least from what I've read, there's not your characters aren't meeting each other on the apps. They're on a train. They're in Prague. They're yes. in. They're getting hit by a car or a uh, taxi almost, and then <laughs> having somebody. And I, this is how I meet people, and it's very refreshing. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll probably have to figure out the apps at uh, some point, but uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm a little more old-fashioned about that. But um, writing those scenes is um, really no different from the rest of it. Uh, I discovered, you know, when I first started writing fiction, that I have to get deep down in it. When I'm writing, so does this mean you're having the sex, and then you <laughs> that deep? <laughs> I, I, I have to get deep in it, and if if I don't laugh when I'm writing a scene, then you won't, and if I don't cry when I'm writing a scene, then you won't. And in this and case, hot and bothered, right? If I don't get hard <laughs> while I'm writing a sex scene, then. You won't. Well, well done, because I, re- I was reading, I was in Palm Springs a couple weeks ago, and I was reading the finishing, I was reading Opera Obsessed, uh-huh. and I was reading a few of the sex scenes that are really nicely filtered throughout, not gratuitous at all, but they, they happen in you know, a logical manner. And when they do, I was sitting outside... All these guys were, it was a clothing optional <laughs> guest house. And I, I wasn't, I was having my coffee and I was reading it and I found myself getting tingly and kind of like did turned you, on. Did by you take pictures? Of myself getting turned on? <laughs> I want to well, see I them. I should have, yeah. I see they're them, they're coming soon on our Patreon page. Okay. Yes. I'm going to, I'll shoot a picture of me reading one of your books. Um, okay. 
maybe naked. Yeah, that'll make All it right. Yeah, but no, well done on those. And that makes sense. So you just answered the question. You have to feel what your characters are feeling. And if it's a sex scene, um, in one particular scene in Opera Obsessed, it's a three-way. Uh-huh. And just curious, <laughs> have you had many three-ways? And did you draw from that? or Not lately. Not lately, okay. <laughs> well, it's well done on how... Thank you. The other thing I like... But to... I have a good memory. Okay, good. The other thing that you incorporate a lot in your sex scenes is there's a versatility to your characters. So it's mm-hmm. not like... I was reading, a, or at least in the ones I read, there was an, a dominant top at times. There was kind of a more fluidity about sexuality. Yes. Was that a conscious effort for your characters? Uh, oh, good question. Um, I think people are complex, and uh, I just I want to celebrate the complexity of it. And I think relationships are complex, too, and uh, that's what I like to celebrate. I love it. I love it. Um, so w- with Love Obsessed, which will be the third one. Right. Um, I know you have an excerpt that you're going to tantalize us oh. with. This might be yes, a good time to, to read that. Yes. Give us the premise okay. of the third installment um, of the Obsessed series. Well, um, Oliver uh, has an apartment on Central Park West that he bought when he uh, got right after he got out of college with most of what was left of his trust fund. And, uh, well, there are all sorts of wonderful things. But it's very, it's very Central Park. His first uh, uh, affair, uh, you know, starts in the park when he just happens to, on a beautiful fall afternoon, he happens to uh, walk along where this father and son are playing ball, and, and the, the ball goes over the father's uh, head and... Uh, Oliver catches it to his surprise, and anyway, they start. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about this one. I'm I'm just sending the text off to my editor. Uh, I think I've finished uh, tinkering with it. So this is an exclusive from the third yes, installment exclusive. called Love Obsession. Okay, so this comes about a uh, halfway in the book, and well, I won't tell you any more about the characters because it would be too complicated uh, so it's after uh, dinner and uh, all of, uh, Oliver writes we peeled off our winter garb and slipped between the sheets but not before I got a good look at Rick's body he was trim and toned not muscular exactly but perfectly masculine and his skin had an inviting softness like velvet beneath my touch. I wrapped myself around Rick and savored his warmth. I drew in his scent deeply. Rick awakened all the desire that had been sleeping in me. me. We had a lovely first encounter. We smiled a lot, we kissed a lot, we explored. I liked everything I discovered equally. Rick's hands were just as beautiful as his feet and his limbs and his shoulders and his chest and his ears and his throat and his mouth and his butt and his ample dick. I wanted every part of him. I tried to take my time and enjoy them all. He seemed to feel the same way about me. I was a generalist to begin with. Later, I specialized. 
I focused on Rick's ass and tried my best to honor him with my attentions. I buried my face between his legs. I was in my happy place. Rick seemed to go there, too. I don't know how long I was down there. I could have moved in, I think. There didn't seem to be any rush. But eventually, I felt the need to vary the diet. Rick, will you let me? Anything, Oliver, he said, whatever you want. And what I wanted at that moment was to be as deep inside Rick as I could manage. I moved my body into position to top him. I lifted his head from his pillow and kissed him. I was still kissing him when I pressed forward very gently. Rick's body hesitated at first, but then he accepted me. I was in. There's something so intimate about accessing another man's interior. Fellatio can be as casual as a handshake, but going inside? Not so different from holding a man's heart in my hands, I always thought. I began to feel a bit awed. I also felt warm and wonderful. I love it. You've intrigued me. <laughs> um, my guest today is Bruce K. Back. He just read an excerpt from the trilogy of the third installment called Love Obsessed. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more with my guest Bruce Beck. Hey, it's your buddy Steve Rodriguez here. And I don't know about you, but the holiday season can be stressful figuring out what to get who and who's on your list. But there's one thing you can deliver to your special someone. It's confidence with Blue Chew. Blue Chew will help you last longer and go extra rounds all holiday season. So whether they're naughty or nice, hopefully the former, you'll deliver a gift that will have him coming back for more. The good news is you'll be ready to serve. Packed with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, Blue Chew comes in a convenient little packet that you can take with you all season long. The online physician consult is free, only takes a few minutes. If you qualify, you get prescribed quickly. So go to BlueChew.com. Your first order is free. Use our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S. And this holiday season, chew it and do it. I'm back with my guest, Bruce K. Beck, talking about his current trilogy, Obsessed series. I'm talking Ink Obsessed, Opera Obsessed, and the upcoming Love Obsessed. Uh, Bruce, in one of your blog posts I was reading, you talked a little bit about the rambles. Is it the rambles or ramble? Ram rambles. The, the ramble, I think, is the... Uh, I think that's the uh, correct name for it. And for those that don't know, I know we were talking a little bit earlier about love of New York City. Have you mm -hmm. been here since the 70s? And part of our history is the Ramble, which is a part, adjacent to at least, of Central Park, kind of this hilly, rocky area where men used to, they probably still do, yeah, but it was notorious was, for cruising absolutely. and having sex. And um, I, this has been going on for many decades, by the way. Um, there's a Cole Porter song from the 20s or the 30s at the latest called uh, A Picture of Me Without You. And so there are all these couplets of, you know, picture. Or, um, anyway, this one is picture lo Mr. Lord minus Mr. Taylor, picture Central Park without a sailor. <laughs> I love it. Sing it, Cole. It goes way back. 
Wow. Cole yeah. Porter also being gay himself. Uh-huh. Or allegedly, correct? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it was interesting how you chose that because... You know, there's all these little haunts that still exist here in the city. I mean, my co-host, Jeremy Ross Lopez, was just talking the other day about how he witnessed sex going on in Penn Station bath in the Penn Station bathroom, notorious for. Uh I'll let him tell the story on an upcoming podcast, but he definitely just recently witnessed that. Recently, yes. Wow. And the Ramble, of course, was a spot. And did you ever yourself visit the Rambles and have any fun? I didn't (laughs) because uh, I was partnered when I moved to New York. We had um, we did lots of fun sexual things, and we invited. whole bunch of men into our bed but um <laughs> we didn't go out much you know into we the voyeuristic uh, yeah. kind of so um i mean there wouldn't have been any particular point in the two of us going to the ramble right i right. don't think um did i ever tell you about the time i went to the anvil by the way tell us tell us what the <laughs> okay. anvil is first and then well it was it was in that um that Flatiron building, uh, you know, the Chelsea Market neighborhood. It yes. was right in there, at meatpacking. Here know, in New York, yeah, yep. It was in the meatpacking district. It was in there. We went, uh, we went to the Anvil one night just as, you know, sort of tourists. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, was wearing, I was wearing this gorgeous brown suede jacket that Billy had given me. It, it, it was a... a a birthday gift to him from some very rich friends, and it was just gorgeous. Who knows how much it cost? I happened to be wearing it that night. So, you know, we had we had some drinks at the bar, we watched the show, and then we kind of slid into the back uh, corridor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we got home, I realized I had cum stains all, all over that wow, jacket. I love it. And it... Uh, cost $75 to have it cleaned, and that was then. <laughs> I know some friends that love keeping the stains on there for good measure. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I like that, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, we talked earlier about how food is a running theme. You were a food writer. Food is a running theme in many of your books. And like you, I'm a foodie, and... It would be hard for me to spend time with another guy or date or have a mm-hmm. relationship with that wouldn't be into food. I mean, they right. have to at least like interesting food, and I like everything. I'm an oyster guy. I have issues with picky eaters. <laughs> me too. I do too. It's kind of interesting when you do meet those that are picky like that because to me We've- food is like... You're tasting life, and tra- and it's about travel. And we've never gone out for oysters. We'll we? have to. I'm always I looking know. for my oyster buddies, and oh, I don't wow. have that many of them. So oh, I would I love just... that. Um, talk a little bit about how food is important to you, and and the sensuality of food, because I just think there's nothing in a lot of your stories. You'll write a sex scene, and then somebody's whipping up an omelet or 
you, you know, they're basking in the glow of, of they just came and all that good stuff. Uh, and they, they're th- and you have specific restaurants in mind where let's just go get a bite over here. And this is how my mind works. Too. Your mind Food, too? My mind always works <laughs> like that. I'm always thinking about my next meal. Uh, Not from a consumption kind of... Because, you know, we have some of the friends like that that are always needing to eat. And, you know, my former trainer cannot get enough food in him. It's not from a <laughs> consumption as much as it is food. I just think about what's my mood for tonight. And even mm. if I'm home alone and having my own meal, I set out a placemat. I have my one glass of wine set up for me. Good it's a, it's a meal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's important. Talk, is that important to you as well? And. Well, I think, I always thought that food was uh, the most important uh, sensual experience in life. I think it's more important than sex. I probably shouldn't say that on this <laughs> podcast, but It I can do. be a very sensual experience, it's particularly mm-hmm. when you're with somebody that also enjoys it as much of, mm-hmm. as you do. And I have a, a friend of mine that, you know, we don't really have sex or, or anything, He's, I don't even know if he's straight or, or what. He kind of, I, I know, I, way too much <laughs> info here without giving you enough. But we, the one thing we do share is a love of food. Mm-hmm. And I was telling a friend of mine that I can be in a restaurant with this guy and the world kind of shuts off. In other words, there's people surrounding us, and but we are so into the conversation and eating the food and talking about the food and having great mm-hmm. conversation. We're so focused that we don't even, we're barely looking at our phones. It's, it can be a great ah. experience. Now, obviously, when you're with somebody that you are extremely intimate, it can be so much fun, uh, you know, food. But the one thing I'm curious to you, and I haven't read yet, I don't think I have, and maybe I missed it, is do you ever involve food with sex, like the combination of the two? Oh, I don't think I've done that. Um, not, that I I have, how... not that I haven't tried some of that, but no, I don't think I've ever written that. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, I will. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll add that. And, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to take a lot of thought, too, because I'm not <laughs> exactly sure how I feel about it, too. And often, you know... I'm not sure I'm a fan of messy food all over body parts, although (laughs) I could see getting into, you know, a certain, like a whipped cream on nipples. Uh, I was going to say whipped cream. You know, that kind of stuff. Whipped cream is safe. (laughs) I know my co-host would love, like, to put whipped cream on a hot ass and Uh, eat that out. And so I just think there's definitely ways. I think certain foods lend themselves to that. Others mm -hmm. mm, might not. For me personally, I don't know that it would be the best idea. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I I don't really think that uh, men's bodies need that kind of enhancement. (laughs) uh, Is that enhancement? What what would it be? No, yeah. Yeah. I mean... We talk a lot about on the show here, BDSM and all the other types of play. I think Mm -hmm. it could just layer into another form of play. I think, personally, I like how you write about food as a conjunction to be a prelude or post-sex experience and another Uh, way of just connecting with a partner. Well, I I love the way men taste, and uh, it's it's just another another, uh, pleasure. You know, it's just another pleasure. I like that. And I think we're going to get Bruce to share one of his 
recipes, um, we're going to put it on tagspodcast.com. Uh, um, for your holiday season, we're, we're brainstorming, aren't we, Bruce? Yes, about, we are. Um, a seductive recipe that seductive. you can incorporate in your holiday season. It will go up uh, later this week on tagspodcast.com and check that out uh, because I think you will like that. You also, interestingly enough, in your first trilogy, the first book of that series, You're Sure to Fall in Love. In that one, we talked about it, it's set in P-Town. Mm-hmm. There's uh, so many recipes by one of the, the main characters. Well, there's more, there's more food in that book, in the first one, than there is in any of the other. There, the there's food ca- everywhere. Well, the main character's uh, trying to, exploring his yes. cooking chef uh, and, uh, proclivities. You know, I, I, was, uh, I still thought of myself as a food writer at the time. Uh, and um, so I decided, well, uh, I could write a cookbook. So I did. That's so associated it, with the sure, first book. You're sure to fall in love, the cookbook. Imagine that, because you have so many recipes listed in that first there's book. A, the accompanying a, book is... There's a recipe in there for every dish that's mentioned in the, in the novel. Well, Bruce, this has been so great. Thanks for doing the show again. Uh, the current series that people can read, it's the Obsessed series. Uh, we're talking Ink Obsessed, Opera Obsessed, are available now, and I think would make great Christmas presents. How I can people too. find those? <laughs> um, well, uh... You can find me at audacitybooks.com and on social media, I'm at audacitybooks on uh, Instagram and Twitter and uh, on Facebook, I'm at uh, audacitybooks publishing, it's called. Um, Amazon uh, or wherever you buy books, um, go to, um, uh, actually, amazon.com slash author slash Bruce K. Beck and that will take you to all of my uh, my uh, production here and we are I'm excited we're doing a Christmas giveaway of the first two books of the Obsessed series and I'm talking Ink Obsessed and Opera Obsessed all you gotta do is email me steve at talkaboutgaysex.com and in just write um, Obsessed and I will put you in the drawing and uh, we will pick a winner I, I'll have a date for you when we pick that winner but uh, email me steve at talkaboutgaysex.com for a chance to re, uh, chance to win Bruce K. Beck's uh, series in the, fir- the first two books. And if you read those two, you can look forward to 2020 when he comes out with Love Obsessed. So, Bruce, thank you so much for um, continuing storytelling in the way you are. I love it. You're really Aww. pushing the story um, in our gay community so further. I love thank it. Thank you, Steve. I My love pleasure. it. Thank you so much. Thank you.